Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Freddie and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference today. Um, so I believe we have shared the Google spreadsheet um, for questions to be filled in. So um, I'll just start with some of those that have been filled in first. Um, let's see, Shruti, I think the first one is from today was from Sai Jagat Sukari, um, who had yes. a question about CPT and OPT. So it looks like you are um, finishing up your master's degree, you've used C- CPT, and your main question is, can you still use OPT afterwards? Yeah, like I'm in my last semester right now, and uh, I took CPT for the before semester and uh, for this semester also. So will this affect my OPT? That's my question. It should not, as long as it was issued, the CPT was issued according to the requirements under the master's degree program. Um, is this by chance your second master's degree? Have you ever done a previous master's degree in the U.S.? No, this is my first. Okay. Okay. Then yes, you will still be eligible for OPT time after you graduate. Okay. Thank you. Um, and then the next question we have is from Harshavardhan um, regarding H1B max out. Yes, ma'am. So uh, my H1B max out is around September end of 2023. And company is filing my PERM application. PWD is approved, but it got delayed. And PERM, they are filing by end of this month. But then considering the current timeline, most probably I'll be maxing out by then. So just wanted to check uh, what are my options to stay beyond that. And Um, I have one more question. So in case my wife needs to do H4 to F1 change of status within US, what are the current timelines for that? Okay, so uh, so I assume that, yeah, my first question was, be, was going to be, do you, is your spouse by chance on H1B, but it sounds like she's on H4. Um, so in your case, changing to H4 status wouldn't be um, possible, most likely, unless your wife is able to have her employer sponsor her H1B. Um, If that is not possible, it is pretty difficult um, options to stay beyond the max out. Really, the if H4 isn't an option, it would mainly be uh, the F1 change of status for both of you, potentially. Um, There are some people who have used the B2 in that situation, but we usually don't recommend it if it's basically just a max out due to the perm being in process. Um, The B2 might be an option if you were kind of unexpectedly laid off or something like that. But um, beyond the F1, I would say the more common option people in the H1B max out situation go with are 
traveling back to their home country. And if their employer is willing to have them work remotely, they can continue working at least from outside the U.S. until the perm and I-140 can be approved and they can do an H-1B consular processing to come back to the U.S. The advantage of that is that you can potentially continue working just remotely from outside the U.S. If you do decide to change to F-1, for example, you won't be eligible to work even though you'll be in the U.S. So you'll have to kind of coordinate with your employer to see if they're okay with continuing your green card application even though you won't be able to work while you're in F1. Okay, yep, got it. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Um, the next question we had was from Ganesh. Regarding... Uh, hello, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, question is like, uh, I recently visited to India and uh, I got the uh, like visa stamping till October 2023. Okay. But my passport is expiring in coming October 2022. So is it like they should have given me the I-94 valid till only passport validity or they have given me till October 2023. So is that the correct I-94? Visa is issued until October 2023. Your passport already yeah. expired this past October. No, is it is going to expire in October 2022. October 2022 is already passed. Oh, sorry, 2023. I'm, I'm, my bad. 2023, okay. it is going to expire. And uh, my visa validity is 2024, October 2024. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is very common for the visa to be issued for longer than the passport is if the passport expires in the middle of like the three year term. So, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's not a problem. You just need to make sure to renew your passport on time. Then, if you are traveling later, you would carry the new passport and the previous passport that contains the visa valid until October 2024. Um, and yeah. you can still travel using that visa, even though it's from an old passport. Okay, okay so I, I am, I'm getting new passport now, but do I need to go to CBP and update my I-94 with new passport number? Or yeah. is it not no, required? That, yeah, you don't not need required? to. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Sure. Okay. Uh, next question is from Nikan. Yeah. Hi. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I am on green card EAD and my EB2, EB3 application pending for more than a year. And my question to you is like, if I change the job, does my employer needs to file I-485J immediately? And does my title needs to be the same as my previous employer? And uh, can I also continue renewing my EAD if I-485J is not filed and any issue traveling on AP? Okay, so first of all, it's not absolutely required that your new employer file the J supplements before you join or even, you know, immediately after you join. Um, it used to be, I would say, more than three years ago, we used to recommend filing the J supplement proactively upfront once you are joining. That is not really the case anymore. The last two or three years, there were a lot of job changes um, due to the pending I-485s and uh, a lot of employers did not proactively file the J supplement and it wasn't a problem. Um, so as long as your new employer is willing to provide the J supplement, if USCIS asks for it in the form of an RFE or by scheduling you for an in-person interview, I'd say that's enough. Um, if they want to go ahead and file the J supplement, that's fine too, but it's not absolutely necessary. Um, then 
the job title, if they do submit the J supplement, it doesn't need to match exactly what is on your I-140 petition. It doesn't even need to be the exact same SOC code as what's on your I-140 petition, as long as it is, as it is similar. So it can be same or similar. So from senior engineer, if it goes to any supervisor or the manager position, would it uh, matter? That's as long fine. as it's in the same fields. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, can I continue renewing EAD if I-485J is not filed? Yes, that's not a problem. As long all that's needed is your I-485 needs to remain pending. And also traveling on AP wouldn't be an issue? No, if the J supplement doesn't need to be filed in order for you to travel on advanced parole. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Varun? Yeah. Hi. Good evening. Uh, so my wife is in India. She has uh, a valid H-1B approved, but uh, her visa stamping is on 24th March with two kids. Okay. But uh, my employer is saying that since I was in USA, I can get my family through H-4B. And once they landed in through H-4B, I, they can do the H-1B amendment once she found a job here. Is, what are the pros and cons? Okay, so they are in India right now, but they already yeah. went for the visa interview, got the visa stamping in their passport? No, they don't have the, the visa stamp. Visa interview is on March 24th. I see, okay. Yes, so if once they receive the H-4 visa... Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're saying that instead of H-1, cancel the H-1 appointment, take a H4B appointment and come through H4B because now 221G are getting most of the people. So your family does will your, be... Does your wife have an H1B approval notice? Okay, so she has an H1B approved right now. Yeah. Do approved, they feel but... like there is a risk of her getting a 221G? Is there something unusual about her employment or her end client location, anything like that? I mean, uh, the consultancy guy was saying that, so... Have they gotten 221Gs for their other employees? Is that yes. maybe why they're recommending it? Okay. Yeah, if the company, if her H-1B employer has seen a lot of 221Gs for their other employees, then yeah, that might be a better option for her to cancel the H-1B appointment, just go for H-4 visa stamping based on your H-1B approval, come into the U.S. on H-4, then while they're, once they're here in the U.S., her company can file for a change of status from H-4 to H-1B. And then um, she'll need to wait until it's actually approved before she can start working. But um, if they file in premium processing, then, you know, it might be maybe about a month after she lands if they prepare it and file it pretty quickly. Okay, but she might get a question, right? Since you have H-1B approved petition, why you are coming through H-4B? No, I mean, she can just say that she decided to apply for the H-4 visa instead. Okay. In that case, the, the petition won't get canceled by counselor? Well, um, no, the consulate can't cancel a an I-129 petition. Only USCIS can do that. But, I mean, I don't see why it would be canceled. But, I mean, she will need to have a new petition filed for her anyway once she comes into the U.S. to change her status from H-4 to H-1B. So she will need a new petition anyway. That current approved petition won't really be needed anymore if she, her decision is to come in on H-4. Oh, but uh, does that mean that it is out of cap? Oh, is this a cap? 
subject application, this H-1B mm -hmm. that she has approved right now, has she ever been in the U.S. in H-1B status? No, no. Okay. That does change it because in order to be considered counted under the cap, she would need to either get the H-1B visa stamped in her passport or be in the U.S. at least one single day in H-1B status. If neither of those have happened, then I would say she sh she would need to get the H-1B visa stamped um, and yeah. try to avoid a 221G. Oh, let's Okay. I don't know why they are saying to convert H-4 to H-1B after coming here. That's yeah, it may be that they have had other 221Gs, but I would have her discuss with her company and their attorney to kind of weigh those risks of either getting a 221G or not being able to, you know, file in the cap, basically. Okay. 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 Thank you very much. Um, sure. Uh, next question, I think it's from Sunil on a passport renewal question is he still here sunil we can't hear your voice okay it looks like he's still muted so i'll go ahead and move on to chatan yep uh hey hey chan so thanks for this call so i have posted my question so quickly uh i'll narrate i am on l1b right now and my company will soon start uh, you know processing my gc so i was you know in discussion with our attorney so they are saying that you know it will be filed under eb1 eb2 but you know i recommended that you know eb1 i recommended that we should file under eb1c because i was a project manager uh early in india and i fall in uh, i do fall in all the criteria into it so i'm requesting them to you know uh file my my gc under eb1c however i'm just trying to check if uh if they don't do it and if they do eb2 uh uh for me so what happens after five years because l1b has a max out of five years unless h1b has six years so what happens after that you know if uh, my i140 gets approved in eb2 category uh, not in eb1c uh, mm -hmm. so what happens for five years did you just recently start the l1b status i yeah it's been like uh, uh five months now five okay six good. Months. okay so um you still have enough time at least but yeah so it is possible to do the eb1c um if your company can make the argument that basically your experience in India was both specialized knowledge as well as managerial. So mm -hmm. um, if they can make that argument, then hopefully the EB1C goes through. If it doesn't and they end up doing the PERM-based EB2 process, you're right, you won't be able to file for the AOS before the five years of L1B status is up. So usually in that situation, um, you will need to change status to H1B at some point before you hit that five-year mark. Um, because the I-140 approval, the EB-2 I-140 approval, it will allow you to extend your H-1B status um, past the six-year maximum, but the same does not apply for L-1. There's no way to extend the L-1B beyond the five-year limit based on gotcha. an I-140 approval. So um, the good news is your employer is starting early, so um, they may not file for you in the lottery this year if they're first strategy is to try the EB1C because if the EB1C is successful, an H1B change of status probably is not necessary. So they may file that first this year, see if it is successful. If it is not, and they end up going the PERM EB2 route, um, I would recommend they start submitting you in the lottery starting next year to give you as many opportunities as possible to be selected before you reach that five years. 
Got you. So you are saying that you know if it doesn't happen in EB one C, so you know we should also you know parallelly file uh, the H one B next year in next year's lottery, so that you know I can I can shift my status from L one B to H one B, so that you know that yeah. Cap- you also have the option of being submitted in this year's lottery. There's no harm in that either. It's just that it may not be necessary if the EB one C works out. So your company might want to just do the EB one C first, see if it works out, and then start trying for you next year. But if they want to try for you in the lottery this year, also that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. There's no harm in that. Okay. So can, can I just ask a parallel question that, you know, if they, if they start EB1C and in parallel, can we start also EB2? I'm just checking. Can this That's fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. As can... long as there's no inconsistencies, as long as all the experience described in the perm is consistent with the managerial duties that are described in the EB1C petition. Um, yes, they can be ongoing in parallel, as long as there's no conflicting information between them. So if I land, you know, filing it in EB2, then, you know, sometime later, you know, in years I have to, you know, switch my status because, you know, I have to get off that uh, cap and, you know, can start, can keep that extending I-140 extending for, you know, till my, mm-hmm. my, my, uh, date becomes current. Yeah. You can do that once you've switched over to H-1B status. Okay. okay. And if we don't um, do it if i'm not sorry if i'm not getting selected in h1b lottery so you know after five years i have to you know go out of the the yeah potentially Mm -hmm. or get switched to l1a that would give you an additional two years on l1 potentially um okay i think sunil said that his audio is working now sunil can you unmute yourself okay we still can't hear anything at this time hello yes hi um, so my question is, my I-140 was approved uh, five mo- four months ago, and mm-hmm. um, we didn't receive the approval copy from USCIS. My attorney raised a service request, and USCIS closed the service request in November, but we didn't still didn't get. So after one month, he sent a mail to USCIS, and USCIS re- uh, changed my I-140 status again on January 31st to approved again which was approved in October and uh, they re-approved on January 31st and sent an email to my attorney that one time courtesy copy we are sending you uh, for off the approval notice. But it's been 21 days, we didn't get that copy as well. So after multiple attempts, we are not getting the copy. Seems like address is correct because we got all the other information, right? Receipt notice on the address. So question now is, uh, I have only one and a half month left when my H1 is expiring. So we were waiting for that copy and we didn't file. Okay. So how can he file without that copy? And my, um, sorry. Yeah. So if you have at least the receipt notice of the I-140 that has the case number and your name on it, I would say you can still file the H-1B extension using a copy of the I-140 receipt notice and a printout from the USCIS case status website that shows that for that case number, the application is approved. We've done that before when for whatever reason, we didn't get the I-140 approval notice in time. That's one option. Um, I would probably also recommend that you submit a FOIA request, FOIA, which is Freedom of Information Act request um, with to request a copy of the of proof of the I-140 approval. What they send you in response to the FOIA request is not really a copy of the I-140 approval notice, but they'll send you a copy of the approved I-140 form. So the actual I-140 form that was submitted that has been stamped approved by USCIS, and it will have the date of approval and the priority date 
written on the first page. So that is as good as the I-140 approval notice for anything you need it for, H-1B extensions, H-4 EAD, okay. um, filing for the I-485 when your party date becomes current. Still try to work with your attorney to get the actual I-140 approval notice. We have had that happen too occasionally for whatever reason. We never get the notice for a particular case and it it is difficult okay. to keep following up with USCIS, the service requests. Sometimes we have to submit it two or three times. Um, so that is not okay. entirely unusual, unfortunately. So I would uh, for your request, one, one, one last question I have about that is I already started process. Uh, I will fill that okay. today. Um, but I saw one of my friend got I-140 through for, and uh, what he showed me, they just sent him a, all the documents which my employer applied and actual mm -hmm. form, but that form don't have anywhere mentioned that it's approved. It's just an it application. Should be, it should be on the first page, the top half of the first page. When they approve it, it should be stamped there, approved with the date. If the copy that your friend received did not include that, then the only thing I can guess is that the I-140 was not approved yet at the time that he submitted the FOIA request. Uh, the status, actually, they they marked, uh, they uh, they hided that section where it is uh, status next to that. So it's not visible when they send him at the document. It's, it's not saying that it's approved. That is approved long ago. His was also approved like two months ago. So it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, I mean, we have gotten FOIA okay. requests back and it shows the stamped approved. So, yeah, I would still try both, still try to get the approval notice. But as far as your H-1B extension, which is coming up, the receipt notice plus the case status printout should be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Sure. Uh, okay. Let's see. I think our next question was for Nick. Kita? Uh, we don't have a screen name of Nikita. Okay. Rebecca. We'll move to Bavesh. Okay. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Um, hi. Yeah, I submitted my questions. And uh, so, yeah, my basic question is like, uh, what is the total time period on H1B to be unemployed? And the second question is so, my I 140 petition is filed and uh, I got a job offer from a new company. And so I'm looking to transfer to a new company. Uh, so it's better to wait or I still have like five years on my H1B. So this is just my first year. So I still have plenty of time. So yeah. Or should I also, uh, do I need to let know the new uh, employer immigration team as well regarding my own 40? Uh, can you give me some thoughts around these things? Okay. So Unemployment time on the H-1B visa, technically, if you are still, there's the 60-day grace period where if your H-1B I-797 approval notice is still valid or the I-94 is still valid and the H-1B petitioner terminates your employment, then you have 60 days from the time you're terminated where during those 60 days, you can have another petition filed for you. You can be in the U.S., and you are still considered kind of in status. But if you have not been formally, if your employment has not ended with that H-1B company and they are just not paying you, um, that technically is not allowed. So there isn't, there's no such thing as a 60 day grace period from them paying you while you're actively on H-1B employment with you. Um, so 
if you haven't been paid by your H-1B employer, you might want to look into filing uh, like a claim against them uh, with the labor department. Uh, there are some strategies that Rahul has recommended in the past for that, where if that is the case, just kind of drafting the, it's called the WH-4 form, maybe enough. Um, but if your employment has ended formally, then you have 60 days to file another application, a transfer to another company. Um, then let's see, your next question was about just starting the green card process with the new company. Yeah, you can yeah. have them start it, um, yeah, whenever they're ready to. Although um, if your country of birth is India, then you know the main time that it's urgent for you to have the I-140 approval is if your priority date is about to become current so that you can file the I-485 based on it. Unfortunately, if your country of birth is India and your priority date is any time after you know, 2012, then the priority dates are not likely to become current anytime soon. So there isn't too much of a rush for a new employer to get the I-140 approved for you, although it's always fine for them to, to start it whenever they're ready to. Um, if I would definitely recommend that you wait six months while your I-140 is approved with your current employer, if possible, before moving to another company. Um, because the I-140 being approved for six months, that automatically kind of attaches some benefits to you, even if you leave that company and they withdraw the I-140 petition. So those benefits are that you'll be able to use that I-140 indefinitely for H-1B extensions beyond the six-year limit. You can use it indefinitely for H-4 EAD applications. You can use it indefinitely for preservation of the priority date. Um, so if there is a way to make sure the I-140 remains approved for at least six months, that's recommended. But if you're being let go by the H-1B I-140 petitioner, I know you may not have the opportunity to, to wait that long. Okay. So, so if the company says that uh, they're not going to withdraw the I-140 petition, it's safe to move, move right? That too, technically, if you, you know, have a good relationship with them and they've, they're okay with not withdrawing the I-140 for that full six-month period, then that should be fine for you to leave earlier. Okay. 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 Makes sense. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, next Thanks. one is... Uh, Nikita, Nikita is on. Okay. Nikita? She's still, are you still muted? Yes. We can't oh, it's showing that she's unmuted, but Nikita, unfortunately, we're not able to hear you. Um, we might be able to come back, but for now we might. Mona Patel. Okay. Mona? Hello. Hi, go Hello. ahead. Uh, so um, I have one question regarding the new CSPA interpretation. Mm -hmm. So my husband uh, aged out with the previous CSPA interpretation. So now what are his chances? If he Your husband aged out or your yeah, child? My, my husband aged out. When okay. uh, his parents and his file opened, okay. he was aged out. Okay. Um, do you know, did he have the I-485 filed and pending at any time and then it was denied because he turned 21? Or was he never able to file the I-485 because I, it didn't? I think they filed it, but at that time, uh, they said, like the immigration officer said, that he was aged out for six months. Okay. Um, so it will depend quite a bit at, at what the filing dates looks like at the time that 
he aged out. So uh, basically the new interpretation of CISPA, it means that if the child, the previous rule was that in order to be protected under CISPA, the child had to be under 21 for purposes of immigration before the final action date became current. Um, the final action date had to be current in order for the child to file the I-485 and have CISPA protection. The new interpretation allows a child to file the I-485 if their date, if their parent's date is current under the filing dates chart, chart B of the visa bulletin, which is usually farther ahead than chart A. So that's the main difference. So it doesn't necessarily, the new interpretation doesn't necessarily help everyone who um, was previously protected under CISPA. You have to go back and look at um, what the chart B was in the month where they aged out previously and see if they would have remained a, may, remained protected under chart B at that time. If so, and their I-485 is denied, the new guidance actually says that you can file a motion to reopen, even if that denial happened years ago. You can file a motion to reopen to kind of reactivate the I-485 and keep it going. The way that you can check the visa bulletin from back then is if you go to the visa bulletin website, the kind of main homepage of the website has all the previous years. And so you can click on that year and then all the previous months. So you can go in there and see what the filing dates chart looked like from like December 2021 or whenever um, the age out happened for your husband. Okay. I'll look at that then. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Um, let's see. I'll, I think I can take one more question. Lucky. Srivatsu. Hello, ma'am. Hi. Thanks for opportunity. Uh, I have a question. Does it matter if I-45 job is different than what currently I'm doing, being that as a future job? So my GC title is Network Engineer 3 versus current, which is Business Analyst. So I was, and also the salary is different, which was offered like 10 years ago. So will it matter? I have an interview and I wanted to uh, talk um, and discuss with you this question. Are, yeah, is your current employer the same company that yeah. filed for your I-140? Yes, yeah, same company. Okay, but your current job title and salary are different than what's on the I-140 and you have an I-485 interview coming up? Yes, ma'am. Okay, um, that is usually fine. Um, if your current job is kind of a more um, higher level version of what was described in the I-140 petition, then we haven't seen USCIS have any problem with that um, because, and the guidance also specifically provides for that situation where the I-140 job that was described, you know, maybe 10 years ago was a certain way. And then if the employee is with the same employer all these years and their current job is, you know, a more higher level version of that I-140 job with a higher salary, then that is fine. We've never seen any problem with USCIS in that situation because they understand also that you 
get promoted as long as basically what you're doing is kind of uh, in the same vein as what was described in the I-140 petition. Okay. Um, okay. Thank okay. you. Yeah, sure. Um, sorry, we weren't able to get to all the questions today, but we'll probably have to close the conference here for today. Um, if you would like to go in more detail for any of uh, your questions, you can schedule an appointment with one of our attorneys through our website. And then the next conference call will be Monday at 3.30 Central Time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.